The series that we are doing at the moment is all about the church, and uh, specifically we are looking at our church. In I want to take a step back and pause and go back to the book of Acts, where we see the very first church that Jesus set up, because I think that that is a pretty good place to start when thinking about church. So tonight, as I said, we are in the book of Acts, and Acts is all about the spread of the early church throughout many different countries and cultures. And so Acts comes after the Gospels, those four books written about Jesus. So he has come, he's lived, he's died, risen from the grave, and he has ascended up into heaven just before the start of Acts. And... Um, but there's one important thing that we looked at last week. There are a lot of important things, but an important thing we looked at last week is something that Jesus told his disciples, his followers, to do between his resurrection and his ascension. So he'd come back from the dead and he had some important things to tell them, and this is one of those things. And he says in Matthew, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now we looked at that verse really well last week. If you missed that, go back and look at that. But essentially what Jesus is saying here, he's like, hey guys, you have lived with me. You have spent so much time with me. You've seen miracles. You've seen me die and raise up to heaven. And I have uh, taught you how to receive the gift of eternal life. Now I want you to go and teach others about me so they know how good I am and they know the truth about how they can be saved. And so that is the starting place for the first church. So a little while after that, Jesus goes back up into heaven and the disciples get ready to begin their mission of telling the world about Jesus. But the best thing is they don't have to do it alone. When Jesus goes back up into heaven, he sends down the Holy Spirit to come help them. And the Holy Spirit is God, and he comes and he lives inside us when we decide to be Christians. So we are never alone. So at this point, in the very beginning of this book, Jesus is gone, they have the Holy Spirit, and they are ready to go spread the church. Now, to help us out with this story, I'm going to use an analogy of a hockey team. And so hopefully on the screen, if they're coming up, Amazing, you're gonna to wanna to try and remember this because this analogy gets used for the rest of my talk, so if you forget it, you might get a bit lost, but just take a photo, that's great, I love that, Meg. Anyway, um, so we've got a hockey team here and this is where we're at. Jesus, he's the coach. He's the one who's taught his team how to play hockey. The team is Jesus' disciples and these are the people who will become the church. So when we believe in Jesus, we join this team, but at the start, they're the disciples. And they are the ones who have learnt how to play hockey from their coach. Now their jerseys, or like their kit, their uniform, that is the Holy Spirit. When we come and we join Jesus' team, we get our uniform, our jersey, our shorts, our socks, boots, I don't actually play hockey, but I think they're called boots, all those things, and then they are given to us 
from the Holy Spirit. He comes, oh, I'm getting a shaken head. I'm sorry, Michelle. I don't know, the shoes. Anyway, and he comes and he clothes us. Now, Jesus, who is the coach, he has now gone back into the clubhouse and he is saying, he's telling his team to go and teach other people how to play hockey. Because the thing is, these are the first guys who ever learnt how to play this game. No one else in the world knows this yet. So the coach, Jesus, he wants his team to go and recruit more people for the team. And that is going out and telling them the good news of Jesus and how they can have a relationship with him. So in Acts the disciples, they put on their kit, the Holy Spirit comes, he is with them, and they go out to recruit more people for the team. But it isn't long before things get a little complicated. You see, up until this point, only the Jewish people knew Jesus or knew God or Yahweh, they called him in the Old Testament. They were God's chosen people. They were set apart. But now... Jesus has said, I want you to go and tell everyone about how they can come and have a relationship with me. And this is a really big shift in the mind of the Jews. And some of them don't like it very much. They want to almost gatekeep uh, the word of God and the things that they have, the things that they have heard. And the last one there, the Old Testament law, that is like the old hockey handbook. And so to go back to our analogy, if you can think about it like this, up until this point, only people with brown eyes have been able to play hockey. But now the coach has said, I want people with all kinds of eye color to come and join the game. Go tell them, go teach them, go invite them. Now we're gonna take a pause here and take a step back and kind of think about, so I can show you why the Jews have this attitude and why it was just them. So if we go right back to the first book of the Bible in Genesis, God chose this man named Abraham, and he made some promises to Abraham. And one of them was that God would look after Abraham and his family, and he would bless them and make them grow into a great, great number. So eventually Abraham had a big, 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 big family and all those people were known as the Jews. If you're Jewish, you can trace your line back to Abraham. That's how it worked. And the Jews were very special to God, so, so special. And they were his chosen people. But there was one other promise that God made to Abraham way back in the first book of the Bible. In Genesis 12, he says, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Not just the Jews, not just your descendants, all people. And so God is saying here, yes, the Jews, you are my special people, but one day I'm going to do such a great thing through you that all people will know who I am. They will know that I am their God and that I love them. So back to our analogy, before they had a coach, Jesus, the Jews had this thing called the hockey rule book, and that is our Old Testament law, all the stuff God had revealed to them beforehand. And that rule book told them what it was like to be a part of God's team. They got told what hockey was about, but they never really knew how to play. 
They didn't really know how to hold their sticks, and they didn't know how to position themselves, they didn't have a uniform, and some of the rules in the book were a little bit confusing and hard to work out. So they were part of a hockey team, God's team, but they weren't really any good at hockey. That is, until Jesus came. He came down and he said, hey, let me show you how to play and let me show you why hockey is the best game in the world and everyone should come play with us. <laughs> and what I'm saying here is Jesus, who is God, came down to earth as a human and he said, hey, let me show you what it really means to be a Christian, what it means to be someone who's on God's team. I'm going to show you how good God is and how much he loves you and how much you desperately need him and how much better life with him is. So when Jesus came down, he kind of shook things up a little bit and some of the Jews began to understand God a whole lot better. They learnt what it meant to be in a relationship with God. Jesus shows them how to hold the hockey stick, how to hit the ball. He gives them the uniform, the Holy Spirit to be with them. And he teaches them the things that they didn't really understand before. And that is the thing. Jesus is the one through whom God blesses all the nations. Jesus is a Jew. He's the promised one. He is the one that lets us all join in on God's team. And we see that that was God's plan all along. Jesus didn't come and rewrite the narrative and be like, oh, we were kind of exclusive and mean before we're going to let everyone join. No, it was God's plan from the start that everyone would be welcomed and everyone would come and be a part of his family. Jesus is the one that says, hey, this team isn't just for people with brown eyes. It's not just for the Jews. It's for everyone, regardless of what their eye color is. And while this sounds great and fun and really nice, uh, this actually causes some problems within the team, which I don't think would be too hard to imagine. Not everyone with the hockey rule book is really on board with Jesus. He came down and they're kind of like, this guy's our coach. I don't think so. I don't really think that that's right. And so they're not really listening to what he has to say. You have to understand that for thousands of years, there was a lot of conflict between the Jews and the Gentiles. This isn't like Jesus asking you to just go and sit with that socially awkward new person who doesn't have any friends. This is like Jesus asking you to go and share your life with people, your deepest enemy with people who have been really horrible to you, with ones that you've been uh, brought up to say, they are the bad guys, we don't associate with them. It is a big thing that Jesus is asking them to do. But he says, go to them. I am their God too. Tell them about me and welcome them. Invite them into our team with open arms. So this is a really, really big deal for the Jewish people. And so we get to Acts 10. As I said, this book is about uh, the Jewish people taking, the, the disciples taking the word to the rest of the world. And in Acts 10, we see the first Gentile family who joins Jesus' hockey team. One of Jesus' closest friends, Peter, 
goes to a Gentile man's house, and his name is Cornelius. And Cornelius wants him and his whole family to join the team. He asks Peter to come, and he asks him to teach him all about Jesus. This is a huge moment in the Bible. A whole Gentile family wants to be part of God's family. They want to be baptized like the Jews were. And Peter knows that traditionally only Jews have been a part of God's family and that they weren't really allowed to associate with Gentiles. But he also knows that Jesus has taught him that his team is for everyone. So when he meets Cornelius, this is what he says, Acts 10, verse 28. You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising an objection. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. So what Peter is saying here is that even though in the past I, a Jew, couldn't talk to a Gentile, a non-Jew, I now know that God doesn't show favoritism, but he accepts anyone who wants to join Jesus' team. He invites people from all nations and all tongues to come along. There is room on Jesus' team for Gentiles, and that is God's plan all along. And do you know what God does in response to Cornelius? We can read it in Acts 10, verse 44. This is what happens. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Cornelius and his family became Christians. They joined Jesus' team. And if you look up there, who was the one that actually recruited them to the team? It was the Holy Spirit. It was God himself. The Holy Spirit came and clothed the Gentile family with the full hockey uniform. God invited them and welcomed them with open arms into his family. This is a beautiful moment. God is recruiting people of all nations to the team. And that is exceptional news for us because I would bet that most of us here are not Jewish people. And if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. So this is one of the first times that you see people like us being welcomed into God's family. It's because of this that we can sit here today and be part of his family as Christians. But not everyone, unsurprisingly, is that stoked with Gentiles joining the team. Like I said before, up until now, everyone who joined the team had been Jewish, and the Jews had to go through the process of being circumcised. It was part of their law, and it was really, really important to them. 
So when they see the Gentiles joining the team, some of them say, uh-uh, uh-uh, if you want these non-Jewish people to join the team, then they better get circumcised just like us. And this is what we read that in Acts 15. It says, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So to use, back to our hockey analogy, to use the idea of only people with brown eyes can play this game, some of the Jews were saying, well, if these non-brown-eyed people want to come and play our game, then they all better be wearing brown contacts in their eyes. And this caused a huge fight among the Jewish people. So they got a council together and their main objective was to work out what does it look like for the Gentiles to join our team? Do they need to follow everything in the old hockey handbook or not? There are some Pharisees there and Pharisees are the group of people who pride themselves on really knowing the hockey handbook, really knowing the scriptures and they were really advocating for uh, the Gentiles to get circumcised. But then there are also people like Peter and Paul and Barnabas there And Peter was the one who was there with Cornelius at his conversion when they received the Holy Spirit. And so this is what what goes down. So we read in Acts 15 verse 5, this is a discussion. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between them and us. He purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the neck of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. So what Peter is saying is, he was like, hey, I was actually there with the Gentile family when they, when they joined the team and God gave them the Holy Spirit. God himself dressed them in the hockey kit and he didn't ask them to put any brown contacts in. He allowed them to join the team just as they are, without brown eyes. So if God is okay with accepting them like that, then why aren't we? That is Peter's argument. It's not because, he says, it's not because we have brown eyes that we're on the team. It's not because we're Jews that we're saved. It is because God chose us and recruited us and saved us, just like he chose and recruited and saved the Gentiles. And then one of the last people we hear from is James, and he is Jesus' brother. And he gets up and he's thinking about uh, the Pharisee argument about the book of the law, the old hockey handbook, and this is what he says. He says, listen to me, Simon, Peter, has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it. 
that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things, things known from long ago. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. That should be a relief for a lot of you in the room. (laughs) So Jesus' brother gets up and he says, Hey, Pharisees, you're so concerned with everyone having brown eyes because you think that that's what the hockey rule book says. But actually, the rule book says that there is a time when the Gentiles will be on Jesus' team. That was already planned for. That was already prepared. We've already been told about it. So why are we making it hard for them to join? Let them come without being circumcised. Don't make them jump through hoops to get to God. God accepts them even though they don't look like us. So settle down and stop telling them to change their appearance. That is the outcome of the Jerusalem Council. And this, this story is significant for us, not just because of the case of circumcision, but it's because uh, we see the Jewish people really wrestling with what it looks like for them to share the good news of Jesus. It's the time where they take a step back and they say, hey, what is this team, the church, the church, what is it going to look like? What kind of people are we going to be? What is membership going to look like? What are we going to tell people? They are setting a vision for their church. It's a super significant moment for them. And uh, just like they set a vision for their church, we also have a vision for our church too. And our church is to be a faithful, adventurous, and compassionate church with an expanding influence on communities, cities, and nations with the hope and love of God. That is who we want to be. What that means is when we look at our church, we decided that we are going to be a people who are faithful, who are adventurous, and who are compassionate so that we can reach people for the good news of Jesus and invite them onto Jesus' team. And this very much comes out of what the first uh, people on Jesus' team were like. They were so faithful Even though it was weird to them to spread the news of Jesus to the Gentiles, their enemies, people who have been so horrible to them, they faithfully did it because Jesus asked them to. They didn't let their own hang-ups or preferences or upbringings get in the way of sharing Jesus. And what did they do when they disagreed? They got together, they opened up the scriptures, and they went back to what God had already told them. They didn't go their own way and tried to work it out. They were strongly grounded in the scriptures and in the words of Jesus. And they were adventurous. Acts Acts is filled with stories of people on Jesus' team going to the ends of the earth to share the gospel. And it was not always easy for them. Many of them got put in prison. Paul got shipwrecked. Stephen got killed but they were adventurous in sharing the good news with the world because that is what they were asked to do and the Holy Spirit was with them, helping them do it. And they sure were compassionate. Even just in this chapter that we looked at in verse 15, Peter and James summarize it best at the council when they say, why do you ask the Gentiles to look like us Jews when God never asked them to look like us? 
Don't create issues and divides where there are none. Welcome them to the team, even if they look different, even if they sound different, even if they dress different and eat different foods to us. It doesn't matter. God welcomes them, so we are welcoming them too. Jesus loved them and he called them to the team so we should help them learn how to play hockey just like we would with any other Jewish person. So what does that mean for us? How, if we are going to be a church that is faithful and adventurous and compassionate, what are we going to do? Imagine what it would look like for us to be faithful to the point that we are so confident in God and his word that nothing can pull us away from it. Peter's faithfulness was seen when he walked into Cornelius' house, an environment he was so uncomfortable with, he was a bit unsure about, but God pulled him there. He was faithful. Being faithful means being able to stay on Jesus' team, even when we have people tapping us on the shoulder and pulling us, saying like, no, hockey sucks, come play soccer. It's much more fun over there. Being faithful is about saying no to the things that God tells us is bad for us, even when people around us tell us it will be fun or it will be good. It can be things like being successful is more important than spending time with God. Youth group, life groups, church, yeah, that's all well and good. Just make sure you do that once you've got your work done. That isn't your greatest priority. Work hard and achieve your dreams and all that other stuff can fit in around it. Or being faithful can be like standing up to people who are gossiping or being mean about others. Because if God calls us to love everyone, then are we willing to defend people who are being outcast, even if it means a sacrifice to our own social standing? Or what about adventurous? What does it look like to take a risk for God? Maybe it means going and telling someone in your life about Jesus, even though it's really scary. Or maybe there's something in your life that God wants you to let go of. A bad habit, a relationship, a dream that you are holding on way too tightly to. Whatever it looks like, are you willing to take a risk and be adventurous in obeying whatever it is that God has called you to do? Are you willing to let go of fear and grab onto Jesus and his promises? And compassion, <laughs> how do you go about caring for people that you don't really understand? Do you let God soften your heart to really see other people and what they're going through? It could like being kind to someone who's hurt you because you understand that you have no idea what's going on in that person's life and maybe they're just really struggling right now. Or it could be befriending someone who's left out to help make them feel a part of a community. Or it could be giving up your time or your money to help people in need, writing a letter to someone who's going through a hard time. Whatever it is, we want to be a church that is marked by com its compassion. And we want that because we know and we have experienced the incredible compassion that Jesus has for us. We, as a church, if you didn't know, are a people committed to being faithful, adventurous, and compassionate. Are we a community that welcomes people with open arms, or do we put up barriers, making it difficult for people to get to Jesus? 
Do we long to see our seats filled with people who look different to us, who sound different to us, and who think differently from us? As you go away this week, I want you to think about one practical thing that you can do to help invite someone into the team of Jesus. Because we're all on Jesus' team, and it is our privilege to be faithful, adventurous, and compassionate for him. Because that is a way that we show others who Jesus is and what it's like being on his team. It's what Jesus wanted the very first church to do, and it's what he wants our church to do as well. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you that you are so good and that you saw it fit to invite all of us onto your team, Lord God, no matter where we come from, no matter what we look like, no matter anything in our lives, Father, you welcome us. And I just pray, Father, that when people enter our church, that they will see a people who love you, who wear your uniform with pride, who aren't afraid to invite people to come to know you as well, Father. And I just pray for all of us as individuals and as a community that you will show us the areas where we can be um, setting our eyes on you more, Father, the ways that you want to use us to love your people, to love the world, and to bring people to know you too. Amen.